welcome to day 14 of 31 Days of Terror. To kick things off today, I would like to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. I would like to thank Leah Robinson, Jolene McKenzie, Freya Cheney, Andy T, Von Poole, Chad Bauer, Marone, Kate Davis, Robin M, Bob Von Longdog, Ashley Chapman, Michelle DeLorenzo, Montez, Heather Honeycutt, Sarah Blanchard, Emily Finch, Gabby Lauk, Amanda Sims, and Justin Caledo. Thank you so much for subscribing to the Patreon. You are so appreciated and I'm thankful for you every single day. And I have three gorgeous listener stories for you today. And story number one comes from Phoebe. I was hesitant about sharing my experiences with you. And I always am with anyone. Because I've always had a belief that when you talk about a more sinister spirit or a negative experience, these things can manifest easier. It may be just a theory or a superstition I have that no one else shares with me. But it's just something I've always thought deep in my mind. Focusing on or discussing said energy or spirit can make it easier for it to manifest. But because I'm such a fan of the podcast, I really want to tell you guys my story and why I know without a shadow of a doubt that the paranormal is real and ghosts and spirits 100% exist. My experiences started when I was around four years old. I don't remember anything happening before this age and neither do my parents. It's a weird one really. I experienced a trauma as a child when I was severely attacked by a dog in our small village shop. I don't know how or why, but after this happened to me, I believe I became more susceptible to the paranormal. Maybe it's due to experiencing a real trauma, something that affected my family greatly, and something that brought a real negative and sad energy into my house. I remember probably about a week or two after returning from the hospital. I started waking up in the middle of the night to see colourful lights dancing around on my ceiling. What's important to note is my bedroom window faced out into a large garden. There were no roads and it was a private property so there was no possibility of these lights being anything to do with reflections of car headlights or street lights and very little chance of these being down to torches or anything like that as these lights danced around my ceiling in shades of green, blue, white and very pale yellows and pinks. The first few nights I saw these lights, they stayed relatively close to the ceiling and danced around far away from me. I never felt scared. In fact, they made me feel safe, calm, and the way they moved made me giggle at such a young age. As the weeks went on, these lights came closer to me, and the closer they came, the clearer the colours were. But what was more interesting is that as they came closer, I could also hear their voices. They never spoke to me, they just giggled and hummed and moved around me. This would happen almost every night. I had obviously told my parents about this and they never believed me. They would say that I was dreaming, or it was my eyes playing tricks. But I still remember the lights to this day. As an adult reflecting, I have this theory or more of a feeling that these were child spirits maybe coming to comfort me as they knew the trauma of what had happened caused nightmares that kept me awake. That is so comforting for me, and I know that these spirits were pure and good. There are two more spirits that I wish to tell you about. 
When I first came across the second spirit, who we later named Lily, I was around seven. My older sister would have been around 12. We used to talk about our bathroom being scary and we were always scared to be in there alone. So we would sit together while the other one was in the bath and we would always brush our teeth together and we would even go to the toilet together. It would drive my parents mad. But we were truly scared and we never knew why. It was the classic ghostly thing. You just felt like someone was watching you. There was a static energy and I know it sounds strange but there was also a low humming noise in your ear like a pressure. The first night we saw Lily, my sister and I were watching a film in bed. The foot of her bed faced the door which was open. The hallway was dimly lit with a lamp at the far end but we saw Lily as clear as day. She ran out of our bathroom and passed the door down the landing. Of course, we screamed and our parents came rushing in to check on us. They told us that we were winding each other up and to stop it. But night after night, we saw her. She always ran silently. No footsteps, no noise. But we saw her. Some nights we would see her run out of the bathroom three or four times. But the weird thing is, she would always run out of the bathroom but never back in. So we would just see her run out of the bathroom over and over but never going back into it. It was the weirdest thing. She got her name Lily from my older sister. We stopped seeing her for a while and my older sister said that she had started coming into her dreams instead. I asked her a number of times what happened in her dreams and she would never say. Just that Lily was nice and they were friends. Now at this point I was still seeing the lights. I loved bedtime because I wasn't scared of Lily and I loved seeing the lights. But one night everything changed. I'd started having nightmares again and I would sometimes wake up in the nights in hot sweats. I had a bowl of loose costume jewellery beads next to my bed and I kept them there all the time. One night I woke up screaming. I can't remember the dream or anything like that but I remember my mum coming into the room, switching on the light and as she began to cross my room The bowl of beads lifted off the side table and flew across my room, hitting the wall on the other side. Now the bowl didn't just fall, it literally flew across the room. My mum picked me up and literally ran with me down the corridor into my sister's room and we all slept there for the night. My dad was away working at sea. We slept in there together every night until my dad came home. But at least now we knew that our mum believed us. The final straw came one night in December. I remember the month as my bedroom was full of Christmas decorations. I woke up in the middle of the night and felt like someone was watching me. I was about 11 at this point. I was asleep facing the window and rolled over to face my bedroom door. What I saw absolutely petrified me. There was a man, at least six foot five, stood in my bedroom door. The light from the lamp in the hallway allowed me to see him, but not to see his facial features. I was silenced because of how scared I was. I could feel my mouth open, but I couldn't scream. His hands were gripping the doorframe menacingly, and his feet remained glued to the ground. I could hear a low growl coming from him, as it slowly got louder and he started to lean towards me. 
At this point, it took everything I had to scream. My mum followed shortly by my dad ran into my room and straight through him. As soon as she passed through him, he disappeared. I remember screaming and screaming and my mum still talks about that night to this day. She says that when she ran into the room, she was hit by the coldest, iciest air she had ever felt. She didn't see him, but she believes what I say I saw. She felt him. The next day, our vicar came to the house with our church governor and blessed the house. My mum, in particular, was well respected in our church community, and our vicar was happy to help. Nothing ever happened in the house again. I remember crying and crying for nights on end when I realised I would never see my friends the lights again. But I am so glad that I never had to experience anything as horrifying as that man again. My sister also said she never dreamed about Lily after the house was blessed, which I know also made her very sad. I hope you enjoyed my story and I hope you can see why I am absolutely positive that ghosts and the paranormal exist. And story number two comes from Loki. I was raised by my paternal grandparents for most of my life. They weren't religious, but very spiritual, especially my grandfather. He was able to see glimpses of things that no one would know. Like he knew that one of our family friends had fallen and broken her hip. He can feel presences, but I don't remember any stories of him seeing any ghosts. Only thing I ever experienced was an uneasiness in a certain part of the house and a shadow darted across a hallway and blocked a nightlight when it passed. Whenever they prayed, they prayed to the spirits. To them, the spirits are what protect you and help you in day-to-day life. When I was 18, I joined the military much to my grandfather's dismay. Three weeks prior to me shipping off, my grandfather passed unexpectedly due to a medical complication. Their house always felt supercharged with energy but only then did it feel different. I'm now married with a daughter, and my wife was expecting our son. My grandmother still lived in the same house. She always says she felt my grandfather near her. He loved the garden in the back. He always spent time out there. And that's where my grandmother felt him the most. I knew it was going to be an interesting trip. One night, my daughter was laying on our bed while my wife and I were talking. She was only a few months old at the time. While she laid there, something grabbed her attention on the ceiling and she just started laughing. She was being entertained by something, but nothing that we could see. She never did that before. But I assumed it was my grandfather meeting her and playing with her. A few nights later, my grandmother brought us into her room and gave me a set of beads that my grandfather used to pray with. She wanted us to try and get close to him. My wife, my daughter and I were in there sitting on the bed praying with the beads. More like just talking to him through his beads. I was sad because he meant the world to me and I felt like it was giving me a chance to talk to him again. I gave my daughter the beads to see what would happen. They were made like Mardi Gras beads but the beads were made of wood My daughter sat there staring at them and just tried to pull it apart. We stopped her once and told her no. I knew that if she broke something from my grandfather, I may have been there for my grandmother's funeral. After another minute, my daughter tries again, 
but succeeds. Both my wife and I saw the single ring of beads break into two pieces with a pop. I immediately pulled the beads from my daughter's hands while my wife scolded her. I started crying and thinking about how I could fix it. I gathered the whole thing into my cupped hands and decided that I was just going to see if I could tie it off. When I pulled it out of my hands, the beads were intact. It wasn't possible. I saw it split. My wife saw it split. I turned the beads around and around looking for a break or a shift in the beads that I could have assumed was a break. Nothing. It was perfect and pristine. This further cemented my grandmother's belief that he was with us. And I believe her. It was Halloween night of 2004. I was a military brat and moved all over the world. At this time I was a senior at high school in Belgium and super interested in the paranormal. It was a lovely, cool night. Small parties could be heard around the village and there was some bonfire celebration coming up. Me and a bunch of my friends gathered at my friend's house. This house was said to have been a place where executions took place. Allegedly, they would take people, put them in stockades and beat them with a bludgeoned device like a blackjack until their heads came off. I don't know how true that story was, but their basement looked like a nice place where that could have happened. We gathered in the basement to see if anything would happen, but the energy just wasn't there. I asked my friends who lived there if there was a graveyard nearby. Looking back, I know this was a disrespectful reason to go, but as a teenager, what's better than a Halloween graveyard night trip? Amazingly, there was one in walking distance, maybe a block away. We all made our way straight there. While we were there, we made sure to be respectful and not run around the graveyard acting like fools. My friend Kyle was super in touch with the paranormal. He allegedly had a ghost girl that lived in his house that he would communicate with often. I have told him about my predisposition to be sensitive to presences, and he wanted to test me. We walked the perimeter of the graveyard, and he asked me random questions about... Where do you feel the most power and do you see anything? As we walked around the corner of the perimeter, there was an area with tall trees. I stopped and looked up into the trees. Since I stopped, Kyle asked me what was wrong. I simply said that there was something there, that I should be able to see it, but I couldn't. I continued to stare when I heard my group of friends gasp and Kyle subsequently telling them to hush. He suggested we continue moving, so we did. As we rounded the middle part of the graveyard, I thought I saw a small child sitting on the far wall of the graveyard. As we got closer, I saw that there was a sign there instead. At that point, my other friend Pat grabbed me by the arm and said that Kyle had told him get me out of the graveyard. I resisted at first, but the urgency in his voice told me that I should oblige. My group of friends and I stood in a group outside the graveyard, at an intersection of the road. We were all deciding what to do next, but all decided that we were not done with the spookiness of Halloween. Across the street was a public park, with a monument in front that was dedicated to the soldiers that liberated the village. 
The park was open, and we decided to check it out. We stepped inside, and Kyle essentially had me lead the group. We all started travelling in a line around the park. It was me, Kyle, Pat and the rest of our friends. We started along the sidewalk leading towards the back of the path. As we approached some bushes, I decided that we needed to travel off the beaten path. We walked around the bushes on the grass. Little did I know, Pat and the rest of our friends did not follow. It was just me and Kyle in the grassy area. We eventually reached the back corner of the park. There was a tree in the corner with a long trunk, a juniper tree next to us, and a barbed wire fence blocking us from the backyards of the houses surrounding the park. We were just talking about what we were feeling as our friends showed up and started walking around the area. Suddenly, I saw a small red light floating around the tree trunk. I asked if anyone else saw it, and only two others could. That's when the light stopped and became the cherry of a cigarette being smoked by a man in what looked like an old military uniform. Two of my other friends walked over and stood by Kyle and me as we talked about what we were seeing. Right in the middle of this conversation, I saw a woman rush by us in a dress. I gasped and turned to say something when one of my other friends told me to shut the fuck up, don't say anything. I shrugged it off. Then near the barbed wire I saw silhouettes in a kneeling or bound position. They were just there. A few moments later the air felt really heavy and I just dropped to my knees. I felt super weak and it was hard to breathe. Pat ran to me and asked if I was okay. He tried pulling me to my feet and told me that Kyle said we needed to leave now and in an even more alarmed tone than in the graveyard. I told him to stop and let me be. He continued to try with all his strength, but I would not budge from my position. He stopped, and I just started muttering, I'm sorry for what happened to you. If you need help, I will help you. Just tell me what it is. Suddenly, I had a vision of myself as a child, in the midst of war and chaos. I was so sad and alone. I had a teddy bear and was rocking back and forth, hugging my knees to my chest. The local church was on fire and there was chaos all around. The vision faded, and I was able to get back to my feet. We all left the park in a hurry, and walked down to the local pub for drinks. As we sat at the pub talking, Kyle told me why he was really concerned in the park. When I fell on my knees, he saw the man at the tree looking in my direction. The woman peered out from another tree at me, and the three bound shadows started crawling towards me. That's why he wanted Pat to get me out, because he didn't know what was going to happen. And then they all just disappeared. Pat said that he was trying to follow us on the grass, but each time he felt something smack him into the face. He decided that they should just follow the sidewalk. Finally, my friend apologised for telling me to shut up. She was incredibly scared because just before I gasped and pointed behind her, she said she felt a small gust of wind like something rushed by her. After the pub, we went and watched Fight Club at the house and hung out till our parents came to pick us up. I've had a couple of other unexplained experiences and I'd be more than happy to share if you're interested.
but this story has gone on long enough. And story number three comes from Fiona. When I was around 12, my brother, my mum and dad went on a family holiday to Morecambe. One day we decided to take a trip into the town and explore the seaside shops and activities. It was a nice day and we spent the morning visiting the shops and stalls by the seafront. While walking along a short row of shops, we spotted a pretty toy shop in between a fish and chip shop and a clothes shop. The toy shop had puppets, toys and sweets in the window and the outside of the shop was beautifully presented like an old Victorian toy shop with full bay windows and an ornately painted sign. We went in, and the shop was beautifully decorated with wooden shelves, desks, and even the till was a big old antique one. We were the only people in the shop, and we spent a good amount of time in there, browsing the toys and games, which were all wooden and old-fashioned. There was nothing modern. There was an elderly man standing in front of big glass jars full of sweets, sitting on shelves at the back of the till. He never spoke, just smiled at us as we browsed. I was drawn to an adorable little finger puppet on one of the shelves. I played with it for a few minutes when we decided to leave as it was getting close to lunchtime. We went about the rest of our day having fun on the rides and eating ice cream on the beach. When it was getting late, we started to think about heading to get back to where we were staying. I said I wanted to get back to the toy shop to buy that finger puppet that I liked. So we walked back to that row of shops. When we got to the street, we looked past the clothes shop, only to see the chip shop directly next door. There was no shop in between, where the toy shop had been. The shop just wasn't there. My mum said we must have gone to the wrong place, so we wandered around for a minute to see if we were just mistakenly on a different street. We tried to laugh it off and to maintain that we had simply gotten disorientated but it was definitely the same place we had been that morning. We went back to the house we were staying in, and the rest of the holiday went by uneventfully. It sounds so unbelievable, but I think about it often and it still bothers me to this day. We talk about it sometimes, and none of us can explain what happened in that shop or where it went to. Thank you so much to Phoebe, Loki and Fiona for your stories. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you would like to send in your own spooky story, you can do so by sending it to Podcast at gmail.com. You can also check out our website, com. And on that note, I shall see you tomorrow.